What's going on, Refill Team Fairchild? As you guys know, the whole point of this podcast is just to help bring our community together. I've broken it down into simple things. We're just going to hack it out. We'll talk about humor and humility, accountability, connectiveness, and also kindness, and what other strings for our bows our guests have to bring to the table, because that's how we make that beautiful music. So let's go ahead and get this episode started. Okay, Team Fairchild, today I'm here with a very, very special guest. She made time during the first sergeant symposium that we have on going downstairs. We have AMC Command First Sergeant Chief Kiara Daniels. Well, hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. How was the flight over? Uh, it was long. Yeah? It was long, yeah. So these flights, uh, when you're coming from the Midwest to the West Coast, jet lag's a thing. Jet lag is a real thing, so. Yes, I felt it coming back from AFSAPAC yes. back in July. Yeah, and I was um, out this way a month ago at McCord, oh, so cool. I'm definitely getting my reps in. Um, hopefully get better at this traveling across the time zones. Yes, ma'am. Did you get to meet Mass Sergeant Smith? He's my co-worker, CA, fellow CA, Mass Sergeant Otis Smith. Oh, yes, yes, oh, yes. Awesome. Yep, I Finance did. Finance troop by trade. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well... So ma'am, can you just tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to this spot in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, every airman has a story, right? We talk about every airman has a story and every ha- uh, person having a story. And just like everybody, mine I think is unique. Yes, uh, who knows, it's probably somebody else's story, but to me it's unique. Yeah. So uh, I'm a St. Paul, Minnesota native, go Viking, skull. Um, <laughs> it's been a rough year, but you know, stay true to the, the purple and gold. Uh, but I just, I really came from a um, really eclectic background, which is a nice way of saying I have a bit of crazy family, <laughs> but born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, I was raised with three of my brothers, later found out um, that I had a sister that oh, wow. my parents had given up for adoption and we found when I was uh, 12 years old. Oh, wow. And then a few years ago, courtesy of 23andMe, I found out I have another sister. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. So I grew up with all brothers, but... Um, now the, the playing field is even. We're three on three now. So That's cool. Yeah, kind of a unique little uh, twist. Yeah. So, yay 23 and me. <laughs> but so born and raised there, you know, typical upbringing, that kind of thing. Nothing too crazy. Raised by single parents. Uh, my mom raised our family and that kind of stuff. And, you know, time I went, after I graduated, went into the college thing and learned that college is expensive. You know, and I, I paid for my own schooling. So I was working full time and two, three jobs, paying for my schooling. And it was just, you know, it was hard, right? Yes. Um, being an adult can be a bit hard and it was hard. And I just made the decision. I was like, I'm going to go join the army. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I went out and I did the whole recruiter gig, was going to join the army. And I went to the MEPS to join the army and I did not qualify. Oh, wow. So um, I have bad eyesight. It's a really weird thing, but it's one of the few things that you can't get in the Army with, but you could get into the Air Force. Huh. Yeah, so I, I'm halfway legally blind, actually. All correctable, you know, nothing crazy. But I guess when you're out of war, they don't want you to lose your glasses and not be able to figure out what you're doing. So I got into the Air Force with the Surgeon General waiver a long time ago in a place far, far away. <laughs> yeah, came in and joined the Air Force, came as an age mechanic, um, did the standard tech school, all that kind of stuff. Came in planning to do just the four years because I wanted to be a police officer, actually. I wanted to be a police officer in St. Paul. And so to be a police officer in St. Paul, you have to have a associate's degree. Okay. And I realized I was going to have my degree done 
before I was old enough to carry a gun because you also had to be 21 and I was going to be 19 because I have a late birthday. So I was like, well, I'll just join the Air Force, go do that. Plus, they're going to help pay for the schooling, yeah. right? Because like I said, college was expensive, I learned. So I thought, I'll come in, do the schooling, get out, go be a police officer. Literally, I, I can distinctly remember when I walked into the age flight, I just knew that I was going to do it for 20 years. Like, it fit. The maintenance life, it fit me. So I started out my career at McConnell. I then went on and did a short tour in Insulik. Okay. Um, after Insulik, I came back and I went to, gosh, you know you're old when you have to sit here and cycle through, like, where have I all been? I came back after Insulik to Pope. So okay. um, while I was at Pope, and that's where I met my husband. Awesome. So we met and fell in love on the maintenance floor in the age shop. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. I, uh, we did. But, you know, one day he, we were working late, working some hours, and he was like, Hey, you want to go get pizza? And I was like, nope, I don't date people I work with. That will get everybody talking. Yep. Um, and he just looked at me and goes, I just asked you if you wanted to get pizza. I wasn't asking for a date. But then he tried to ask me for a date the entire time. <laughs> so I tried to hook him up with my roommate. And that just, you know, long story short, him and I ended up, you know, connecting. Awesome. And uh, three months later, we were engaged. And nine months later, we were married. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was a fast. But you just kind of knew. For us, it was one of those, like, you sure. just knew. Sure. Yeah, so we're married, and I'm proud to say that, you know, we are at 20 years now. We celebrate our 20th anniversary this year. That's so awesome. uh, we are proof that maintenance marriages work and workplace romances work. They definitely required a lot of work because yes. there's a lot of challenges in this, yes. right? Um, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice and balancing of assignments and job tiles and stuff because of uh, working in the same shop. So Sure. Um, but we were able to figure it out, and... Kind of maintain that balance which has been pretty good so after pope we went to aria fairford which is it's not a base anymore yep. or not an air force base it is a base but uh, we loved it did an assignment there came back to travis when we were at travis um that's the first time i really decided to kind of make that step out of the career field okay and i did als instructing so nice. it was actually a first sergeant who came up to me and they're like hey i think you'd do good at this and i'm like nope i would not and they're like, no, I really think you would be a good ALS instructor. I'm like, no. And it's like, just call and ask about the job. And I'm like, no, I, I don't think, like, I, we all have visions of what certain job people look like, you know, and, and the vision of an ALS instructor was very professional and polished and put yes. together. And, um, you know, me being honest, I'm not, I'm like, not that I'm unprofessional, because I'm not unprofessional, but I don't fit that mold as well. I'm a little quirky. I'm a little awkward. You're a maintainer. I'm a maintainer. <laughs> yeah. You know, my hair is not perfectly prim and I, I don't have my makeup. You know, I don't even wear makeup. I don't have the perfect bun, you know, those kind of things. Sure. So I just didn't, I didn't envision myself in that role and I, and I couldn't see myself in that role, but he was a really persistent first sergeant at the time. Uh, so just to kind of get him to quit asking me about it, I went ahead and applied and I was actually deploying out the next week. Oh, wow. So I was like, I'll just, I'll, I'll turn a package and they're not going to hire me. They're not going to want to wait for me to come back on a deployment and that kind of stuff. Well, to my surprise, apparently they did want to hire me That's and awesome. yeah, long story short, while I was deployed, I found out I got hired and I came back from deployment and went and did, went straight to school and then did ALS instructing for three years. Nice. So. It was great. It was absolutely probably the hardest job I've ever done. And I say that as a first sergeant, but ALS instructing for me was definitely the most challenging, but I had the absolute most growth in that role. It, it, 
it forced me to like out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Public speaking, like I'm a maintainer, I, I'm not a public speaker, and I it, it gave me skill sets that you cannot get from other jobs. Um, it forced me to learn about the Air Force a little more. You know, in the maintenance world, you know, it's just you know, let's turn wrenches, let's read TOs, but it forced me to learn about our Air Force heritage. It forced me to learn about regulations and in the national defense strategy and all these things. That I just when you're in that maintenance world, you don't, I don't want to say you don't care about it, but it's just, you're not exposed to it. Sure. So I got tons of exposure. I got exposure to senior leaders just for mentorship and guidance. Um, and then I just think my skill set really got honed. You know, when you, when you have to teach people how to write an EPR, it forces you to be a better EPR writer and those kinds yes. of things. I, I was fortunate. I ended up promoting to master when I was at AOS, which oh, wow. is a feat in itself. Yeah. Um, like most special duties, it's very hard to promote. Uh, so you kind of go into a lot of special duties with that knowledge of, hey, I, I'm sacrificing some of my promotion, but I'm getting some exposure and some future development. Yes. Um, so I promoted myself out of ALS, which is why I only did three years and not okay. four. Okay. So after that, yeah, I went because I promoted myself out and we had been at Trash five years. We got an assignment um, and we went to Seymour Johnson. So it was actually my first time in ACC because my whole early career, I had kind of gone... AMC, USAFE, AMC, USAFE, AMC, yeah. and then all of a sudden went to ACC, which in the age world, it's a very different job. They just have a different equipment. They have a different okay. mindset. Things kind of change. Huh. Literally, I had to learn a whole bunch of new equipment late in my career. But it was great. Um, it was a challenge for me. I, I love Seymour Johnson. We ended up spending uh, nine years there. So we were there for a long time. So it really was probably the base I'm the most connected with. Okay. But... The shop I went into was very challenging. I, I don't like to throw around the toxic words that's kind of overutilized these days, but it was definitely not a um, healthy work center. Okay. And so, you know, I tried to get along and kind of work it out and go through the motions and um, I did love it, but there was some struggle. There was really some challenges in that work center for me. They weren't super excited to have a female senior leader who, who had a lot of, I had strong records. So it was kind of like competition to sure. their norm. Yeah. So I really had to deal with standing on my own two feet there and really kind of owning my space there, which was challenging. We did that and then I'd been there probably about six months a year, pushed through and we had another, ironically another first sergeant, a chief first sergeant, he said, hey, I think you'd come up and be my additional duty shirt. You'd be great at it. I'm like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> All right? I'm very resistant, I guess. I was like, not doing it. Can't do it. She's like, no, like, come up. And she literally, I, I told her, no, like, I'm just coming back to my career field. I need to spend some time in my career field. Because sure. you got to, right? Yeah. It's good to go out and get experience. But ultimately, I was an age mechanic, and I need to be good at being an age mechanic and to lead in an age shop. So I, I kept refusing it. But she would call me every week and ask me to be her additional duty first sergeant. And I would say, nope, not gonna do it. And we kind of joke about something else. Um, and then finally, one day she called me and I was just honestly fed up with the shop and I was frustrated and something had to change. So I said, okay, let's do it. And it, it was supposed to be just temporary, one year, go up, do fill in for a year as a full-time additional duty first sergeant. We went up, I did it, I was doing it about six months in. A deployment came down and the flight chief for the A shop had to leave. So I popped in and they were like, hey, need you to quit doing the additional duty shirt. Need you to go down and be the age flight chief again. So I went back and did that. And then once again, the person who replaced me as a shirt was like, they had to go and they're like, uh-oh, we now don't have an additional duty shirt. 
you're trained, you know what you're doing, can we pull mm -hmm. you back? So I, I basically went back to the age flight chief for six months and then returned to the additional duties. Sure. Okay. And so I did that for a few months and this chief was like, hey, you gotta make a decision. Do you wanna do this first sergeant gig or do you wanna do the maintenance gig? And I, I do some soul search and I realized I'm a people person. I really just through the growth and transition had learned that I really would rather help people than chase metrics and maintenance and sorties and, and equipment. Not that I, I love age and I love my, uh, my age family, but I just felt like there's more that I could be doing. So I took the first sergeant gig and I did the application and it's a slow application process, took a while, but I ended up putting my diamond on. Awesome. So yeah, so I shirted in EMS and I shirted in okay. a medical group and then I came back to EMS and then I went to an AMXS and so I had a lot of experience in the shirt world and was really fortunate. Uh, that's where I made senior in chief, which for a shirt is challenging, but yeah. it was super beneficial. After I made chief, I went to, uh, had to return my career field. Okay. Went to Holloman where I was the squadron superintendent at Holloman. Yeah, it was, <laughs> Holloman is an interesting place to be. So my husband was not as excited about Holloman. So yeah. And then this opportunity came forward to be the command first sergeant. And honestly, I applied to make my husband happy because he wasn't happy at Holloman. I'm like, oh, well, this would be something fun to do that would get us out of Holloman. I never thought I was gonna get hired. I, I never really thought, once again, I just didn't think I, I was gonna fit the mold that they wanted. Sure. And I uh, applied and I got hired and off we went. Nice. So I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. Okay. Uh, as AMC Command First Sergeant. So loving every minute. That's awesome. Yeah. That was a really long story. Wow. No, no, no. But in my defense, that was, you know, 25 years summed up sure. in about five minutes, right? Yeah. Is your husband still active duty as well? So my husband retired. He took terror like a few years oh, wow. back. 2015? It was actually so. so Interestingly, age had a Terra before the Air Force. You're thinking of the big Air Force yeah. Terra. Literally like three months before that, the age crew field was offered the same oh, wow. okay. kind of. So he took the first one. Okay. Um, and then like three months, a few months later, you know, the big, everybody got it, Terra opened up. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, he retired actually at 17 years. He is now a civilian employee. He's doing, a, he's a UDM in a oh, nice. comp squadron. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I so. do know a couple people up at Scott on the 135 side. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's the comp squadron has been uh, an interesting exposure for him. So, because he's always been a maintenance, way different. And then he was maintenance UDM. So then to cross over, and he's done a fighter squadron UDM. And he's done CMS, but it's all still pretty maintenancey. Yeah. So to go to comp squadron has been. He's he's had to learn and adjust to that culture a little bit. Yeah, that's very very true. Now, thank you for sharing that, though. What would you have given yourself? What advice would you have given young airmen? Was it still Daniels back then? No, I, yeah, no, it was Strathman. It was Aaron Strathman back it then. Was Strathman um, back then. You know, I, I, I think there's kind of two things I tell her with Strathman. I think the first thing I would I would tell her is is to trust yourself. You know, I in my story I kind of shared uh, on three different occasions where I just couldn't see myself doing something. I didn't I didn't think it was like I didn't think I was capable. And in all three occasions, like I, I rose to the challenge and all I needed was somebody to believe in me and to tell me like, hey, you can do this. And in doing that, you know, I think I would have told her, like, just trust yourself. Like, don't I, I think about how many other opportunities I maybe missed out on because I didn't trust sure. myself or I didn't I didn't have the I don't know if strength's the right word, but I just didn't have the trust myself to say, hey, I want to go do that or I hesitated. So I, I think I would just tell her to 
trust in her abilities a little more, not self, self-doubt. Sure. Right? We're all really good at saying what we can't do. I would tell her to trust what she can do. Sure. And I think, I think the other thing would just be not to lose myself. To, to stay true to who you were. I never felt like I fit that typical image, whether it was an ALS instructor, whether it was a first sergeant, or honestly, even as a command first sergeant, like I, I maybe don't fit the image that most people would view of somebody in that role. Um, and I think that's okay. And I didn't, it took me a while to realize that's okay. In fact, that's generally what makes me better at my role is that I am a little quirky. I'm a little, I'm the, I'm the odd duck. I'm super squirrely and you know, I, I say the wrong things sometimes. But that's that's the endearing qualities, and that's actually my strength and what makes me relatable, especially as a shirt. Sure. To, to be able to say, like, hey, I'm human. I do dumb things. I act goofy. I don't always get it right. And knowing that it's okay and I, you know, I can still be successful in the Air Force, even though I may be different than the typical folks you see. So Relatability. So we'll touch more on that. What motivates you, would you say? What drives you? Gosh. I'm sure that'll make that's, you even more relatable. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I, I think what's motivated me, and it's probably true for everybody, it's changed throughout the years. Who I was when I came in at 19, 20 years old is very different from who I am now. Sure. So obviously my motivations have changed. I think as a young airman, I, I just wanted to prove myself. You know, I wanted to to prove I could do things and that I wanted to do well. So I am, I am super competitive too. I'm not going to lie. Right. (laughs) I I like to be the best and I like to. And so I think in my early years that really motivated and drove me, um, you know, that transitioned as I got older and now it became, but I loved seeing other people succeed. Like I loved knowing that I was in the background helping somebody else do well. I tell folks, I'm not a face. I don't, I don't do well at being that face or the image or standing in front of people. I, I excel or do my best in the background. Um, and that's where it kind of goes back to, you know, like I don't feel like I fit the image, which is probably why. But I love being back, like motivating people, helping people, like, you know, whatever it is they need, I want to get them there and give it to them. So I think at that point in life, you know, kind of in the middle of the career, it was more about like, how do I help other people reach their potential. That's what motivated me. Seeing them succeed really hit home. But I'm not going to lie now. I, I, you know, I'm a, um, I have a little, I have a shorty, you know, I am a late to the parent game. So I have a six year old and I'm telling you what motivates me is that little, that little munchkin right there. Right. I, you know, I never got parenting until you have one. And I think it was interesting. I'd get, you know, growing up through it, everybody else had kids and stuff like that. And we just, uh, we were unable. It took us a while to, to be able to have kids. And, and we had to get some assistance in the kid kid creation um, avenue. I didn't get it, and now, like hindsight twenty twenty, if I went back, I wish I maybe had been more empathetic to what it's like to be a parent. Sure, there are a lot of demands. You know, I I think some of the things I was able to accomplish in my career is because I didn't have kids. You know, I could work later, I could do things. I didn't have to. And now here am I, I am at you know the end of my career, and, and it's a challenge, like balancing life and balancing family. Um, figuring out how to do that, you know, uh, it, it's difficult. I struggle, you know. I mean, here I am out on the road a lot, but I've got a, I've got a, you know, when I started, I had a toddler, you know. Now I have a, a first grader who, you know, wants me at gymnastics and wants, sure. you know, wants her mom to sit down and let's bake some cupcakes or, <laughs> or whatever the thing. Let's play Barbies or some unicorn thing, and, and finding that balance of her, you know, how do I balance my family? But also showing her, like, I think there's a lot of value in her seeing that, you know, her mom 
um, can do a lot of stuff, you know, probably selfish, but I look back, you know, like I told you, my husband retired. Um, he actually retired before he had kids, you know. Okay. My daughter's never seen my husband as a military member. She does not see that image, and I am fortunate that we were able to have her, and she's able, she'll be old enough to remember, like, her mom served in the military, yeah. and her mom did these things. So I think right now that's really my motivation. That's you know, that's what's driving me right now is that these will be her memories of what what I was kind of not saying my prime, but you know, that makes me proud, you know, to be able to, for her to look back and go, you know, like my mom had a purpose and, you know, help people. I have the cutest little video of her. Uh, I just got, whenever I need a moment, um, I'll play it to myself. Don't, it's just so bad, but I keep this like one video, but it's her sitting on a computer and she has my laptop. She's just pretend typing. It's not on. She's just, you know, tapping. She's like four at the time or something. And in the video, I'm like, hey, Becca, what are you doing? And she's typing. She goes, I'm working. And I said, oh, you know, what are you working on? And she dead looks at the camera, looks at me and goes, I'm trying to help people just like you, mommy. Oh, that's awesome. Tear, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I just, to have your kid recognize that you want to help people um, and for them to get it at that age and so innocently say it, like, that's the motivation. That's the drive. That's awesome. Thank you. Taking on to that then, what's been the most rewarding part about being a first sergeant or in your current job? As, oh, as oh. We, have, we, we have such a rewarding career, Phil. I mean, we are so, we see so much that a lot of other folks don't see. Now, I mean, some of it's very heavy, but yeah. some of it is also very light. So it, I think it's a little hard for me to just pinpoint like what is the most rewarding thing. It's okay. kind of that general, I think it's when you see somebody that's maybe struggling and then they finally, they get that promotion or they achieve whatever that goal is. Like that for me are the most rewarding moments. That's kind of what keeps the fuel behind the fire. And we're fortunate we see a lot of it. But I think for me, from the Air Force perspective, it really is the promoter. Like I love seeing that young airman in, like I said, I'm a little bit of an odd duck. So I love when I see that odd duck airman that maybe I've mentored <laughs> and like kind of coached along. Like it's okay to be odd. It's okay to be you know, socially maybe slightly awkward. And then to see them like achieve those goals, I'm like, yes, win for the home team. Those for me are really rewarding. There, I, I, it's hard. I think there's too many to, you know, I've got folks, I have one airman. See, I'm, now I'm going down, I'm squirreling on you. Um, but I have one airman that this airman wore me out. Like when she was in, in the military, I mean, I literally went from, you know, she was a senior airman. We went all the way down to airman basic Oof. together. Yeah, it was rough. And as we'd go through this, like it wasn't, she wasn't trying to have all these issues. She was struggling, you know, she was struggling with military life. She was struggling with, I don't even say adapting. She'd been in a little bit, but she was just, she was struggling with a lot of personal issues that then were coming into the work life. And we were able to the whole time, like I'm mentoring her and I'm developing her and I'm, you know, I'm standing by her side because that's what we do with our airmen, right? It's not, as a first sergeant, our airmen don't need us to judge. They know when they screw up. They know when they're not doing good. They don't need a first sergeant to come in and poke at them or any of that. It's about standing beside them. I mean, owning that, hey, this, yeah, you screwed up. Hey, yeah, this happened, but um, we're gonna get through this. Whether you stay in the military or out of the military, we're gonna get through this together sure. and we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna get you to that next phase, whatever that phase looks like. And with her, that phase, you know, was exiting the military. This was not, she didn't shine here. and. It was really hard because she was what I call them legacy airmen, but she was a legacy airman where, you know, third, fourth generation, they all served in the military. And for her, it felt like a huge failure because, you know, she really 
wanted to continue that military legacy sure. and represent our family. And this just, it wasn't working. You know, long and short, it wasn't working. Um, and to see her, see her get out, her and I still communicate. She actually, she sends me a Mother's Day card. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was a little weird the first time. I'm like, oh, why am I, I'm not this old. I can't be old enough to be your mom. It, it was a little, yeah, it was a little awkward at first, but now it's kind of a treasure that, you know, she's been out for a few years now and um, doing exceptionally well and getting to see her shine. And that's what's, you know, you talk about it. It's, it's rewarding because I've seen her do well and knowing that like, hey, I didn't, you know, she didn't get promoted. She didn't get that. We went through the roughest part of her life. She had failures. And I was able to help her get out on the onto the other side, and it is the civilian side for her. And to do well, she's great, and she's happy. You know, she's more confident um, in who she is now than she ever was in the military. And this really sure. just wasn't the right fit for her, and that was okay. So it's really really rewarding to see those. You know, not the success of you now, but just the success of yeah. knowing that um, you could help somebody through um, really what was probably the most challenging part of her life. Yeah. Speaking of challenges then, have you had, can you think of maybe one, one challenge in particular that you really struggled through? Yeah, I, I, I think I'd have to go back to ALS. I really, uh, not to take you back in the conversation, but you know, <laughs> reel it back up, yeah. replay that one for me. Like I said, ALS was really the most challenging because I, I was maintenance and then to be, I don't want to say polished, but you have to have so many answers and senior airmen, I love senior airmen, but they're inquisitive and they, they will challenge you. Yes. And so you better know what you're talking about because they're going to look for every hole, every every little niche that they can find to like, I don't want to say to prove you wrong, but to really test you. Sure. So you really have to be on. And I joke around, but, you know, I'm working really hard not to curse during this interview. <laughs> you know, I'm a, and so I hear them in ALS. I, I joke around my classes. You have to do more push-ups because of me cursing than any of them cursing. And so I just had to, it was a period where I really had a lot of growth. You know, I never, I couldn't, I went into, I went into teaching LS. I didn't write a good EPR at all. I have to learn that. And I was not a grammar person. And I had to, literally, we did something called English 3200. It was 3200 English questions that taught you. But I needed that. Like, yeah. But it was a struggle and it was hard. And it... ALS was everything I was not, but honestly, it made me so much stronger and it made me such a better airman down the road. Um, and when I left there, I was ahead of my peers. You know, yes, I understood yes. AFIs. I could, you could give me a memo. I could sit down and actually coach and mentor people through how to, hey, I appreciate your memo. Let's walk through how we do this. I could sit down with their EPRs and say, hey, let's work on this together. Instead of just fixing it for them, I could pull them in because. In ALS, I'd learned how to teach. I'd learned how to mentor. Yes. Uh, but I'd also learned the skills of writing the EPR, the skills of what should a memo look like, you know. And and the peers in ALS are very critical, right? Our, yeah. As peers, like, we are, we hold each other to a very tight standard there. And what I hated at first was that. Like, I felt like everybody was judging me and everything I did was wrong. And they, you know, nothing I could do was right. But in truth, they ended up being the tightest group of people I ever worked with. And they made me better because they forced me to self-evaluate and really forced me to be my best but it, it wasn't comfortable like I there were times where I would leave there and I'm like I don't ever want to see these people again like nothing is good enough for them but they made me better and it was going through that really tough time of like because I think the thing was I volunteered for it true my husband I, I bless his heart I love him and he would say that when I come home and he goes well, you're the one that signed up for this and I'm like that is not sensitive and emotional you know I want you to tell me it sucks and he'd be like well you 
you're the one that volunteered for this. Like, why are you complaining? But that's really the truth of it. You know, I, I needed to, I needed to push through that and get to the end and realize that I was capable and I'm stronger and better and being open to that growth and not taking it personal and understanding that I was just being just as critical as some of them, you know? Yeah. And it was really just to make us all better as a team. So I think that probably was my most challenging period. But at the end, I walked away such, I walked away better airman. Sure. Which is all, all we can ever ask for. So. Yeah, getting those chances to do the DSD type roles. Yeah. I was an FTD instructor for a little bit, so it wasn't quite as hypercritical. We still had to watch her swearing. We still had to present a more professional image, but we were still maintenance at the end of the day. So it wasn't. It was a little more comforting and a little closer to home. Yeah, but you still had those. You still had the questions. Like yes. when you don't know what people are going to ask, you have to be able to do uh, to think on the fly. Is yes. Is, is a learned trait. So realizing you don't know everything about the aircraft, even though you're supposed to be the yeah. expert and they're supposed to be the ones learning from you to realize that they know more than you sometimes on certain things. It's humbling. Our airmen usually nowadays know more than me and they're more connected than I am. So I think that's a, a big skill and a big thing to learn is that it's okay not to know everything and to be able to say, hey, I, I don't know. We think, oh, you know, people come to me and they're like, you're a chief shirt. You know, no, I don't. Look, I have a six-year-old at home. I don't turn the news on because I, I just I don't feel like my six-year-old needs to see what's on the news right sure. now. Um, there'll be a point. It's not six-year-old, but because the news isn't on in my house, I, I sometimes am not as connected. They'll come in and be like, "Hey, did you hear about?" It? I'm like, "Uh, no. What happened?" You know. So sometimes I feel like they're way more folks are more connected. My younger airmen know more and more in tune than I am. Um, I'm playing catch up. So yeah. Well, that's been a struggle, especially with the NDS and A call and MCA learning all those things and knowing that, especially in certain roles, we need to know more, yeah. but realizing that we are, it's okay that we don't know it, but we need to catch up yeah. and learn it. I've, we've noticed a lot of that in the last year. Yeah. And I, I think you hit it right there. It's okay to not know things, but you have to be willing to learn things and not be like, nope, I'm not learning. I don't need to know that. Like you've got to be that sponge. Yeah. I am still a sponge. Every day I get new stuff to figure out. Yes. So we'll go, we'll go back since we keep going backwards now. <laughs> it's because I took you too far oh, right no, in the beginning. I took you too far forward. It's perfect because that leads up to this question of um, what, why did you join the Air Force? So, you know, I'm supposed to have like a really good answer and tell you that I wanted to. That's what we're supposed to do, right? I, I've told you guys. I don't put the image. But I'm supposed to tell you like, oh, I wanted to serve and do all these wonderful things. And I had great ambitions or whatever. But the reality is, I just, like I said, I wasn't going to be able to start the job I'd planned on um, because I couldn't be a cop 21 and I was going to have my degree done at like 19, 20 range. And I just didn't know what else to do. And it was just like, well, and I was going to pay for my school. So I was like, this is just something to do. Like I didn't come in with some great extrinsic reason. It really was just something to do and that's a horrible answer and I know it's a horrible answer oh no but I but I definitely have found that like I'm drawn to service and I think at 819 you don't know that right the love language is right my love language is service I'm going to do things for you I'm going to I don't think at 1819 understood that that was maybe why I was drawn to come at being in the military but now as an adult who's had a lot of stuff I, I get it like yeah I'm service oriented so I think I, I came in for the standard, like, oh, I can get some education. It'll pay some bills. Too many episodes of G.I. Joe. I don't, I don't have a good answer <laughs> on why I came in. 
but it, obviously it worked out well. Yeah, Chief Guzman joined because he got tired of pushing carts at Walmart, he said. Yeah. I think Chief Osby started off in the Marines. I hope I didn't get that wrong. I know he definitely started off in another service. So well, if you get it wrong, just edit it out. Yeah, yeah. just I'll fact to, check and then edit it I'll out. I'll have to go listen back to his podcast. <laughs> but we had him a while ago. I, I, I think most most of the times there we when we ask that question mm-hmm. in FTAC, we still have a couple that it's a legacy, it's a heritage. Mm-hmm. It's, yes, they wanted to serve, but a lot of it's they wanted a paycheck and they didn't know what to do. Yeah. Or they... I, well, I, I don't... It's always nice. So like I, like I told you, I, I worked... Lord, I worked like three jobs and was going to school, not quite full time, but pretty close to full time. So I, you know, burned the candle at both sticks or both ends of the stick. And, and I think it was good for me to do that before I came in because it allowed me to appreciate the Air Force. I think, in um, no judgment, it's great to come in straight from high school, but if you've had to struggle, I think you appreciate what the Air Force and what the military brings to you sure. a little bit more. You know, when you're having to pay your own medical and dental and pay for your own, you know, food and all that and figure out, pay bills and do all that. Like when you come in, like this was, a, it was amazing for me. I'm like, oh my God, you're going to give me like our airmen, like they're like, how quick can I get out of the dorms? I'm like, I don't want to, when I was there, I'm like, I don't want to leave the dorms. Like I don't got to pay rent. I don't got to pay water. I don't got to pay electric. I ain't got, I just show up and, and it, we didn't have internet at the time. I just dated myself again. But <laughs> to be able to just like not have to worry about all the bills and just be an airman, like I didn't even have to cook. Like you go to the DFAC and, and the True. DFAC now is like 20 times more amazing than the DFAC we had. I was just helping them cook yesterday. Yeah. So I, I think it allowed me to appreciate that. I think that's one of the challenges of sometimes our younger airmen where they've come straight from, you know, living with their parents to coming in. They haven't had exposure to like what True. it really looks like to adult on your own. Yes. So it's hard for them and no fault of their own, but it's just a little harder for them to appreciate some of the things the Air Force provides. So I, I had a funny experience. So I went to McConnell um, a couple months ago, it was back in August. And McConnell was my first base. And so, I, you know, it, it's fun to go on, on these trips. I get to go visit all the AMC bases. Yeah. And it is fun because I was at a few of them. But McConnell Special, right? It's where I started. I, I never thought I was gonna go back to McConnell. But we are back there and it, the dorm I went to that I lived in is still there. Oh, wow. So all the other dorms are gone, but that one dorm is left. <laughs> and I was like, I was telling the shirts, I'm like, I want to go see my dorm room. <laughs> right? I'm like, I want to go do it, guys. And they're, and they're not going to stop me. Right? That's the only joy of to achieve, right? <laughs> People don't really stop you too much. I'm like, I'm doing it. And so we, I, I, we went in the building. We were there for something else. We ended up having lunch in that dorm anyway. So I said, I'm going down the hall. But he had like a night, he was a night shifter. And I'm like, oh, I can't wake the guy up. And so we went back to the thing. I'm like, oh, I don't want to wake him up. But I'm like, who's his shirt? Like, is he really a night shifter? So they called and they're like, yeah, no, he's really a night shifter. I'm like, oh, because I was hoping it was just like a bad tag on the door or something. And long story short, I told Sherry, I said, like, would you like, will the supervision just give him like a little extension if like I wake him up and then he can't <laughs> sleep or something? And they're like, we'll figure it out. I'm like, because this is the thing, like, the, the interesting part was that that day was my 25th anniversary oh, wow. in the Air Force. Okay. And I happened to, and, it, and we yeah. hadn't planned it. I just, I hadn't even thought about it till we were there. And I'm like, huh, this is my 25th. I told him the shirts. I'm like, I didn't realize it till they, this is my 25th anniversary in the Air Force. So I, I woke the airman up. I knocked on the door, this poor airman. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this poor airman and wakes up. And he's got literally 13 first sergeants standing outside <laughs> his door. Cause they're all like, she couldn't do it. Um, and I'm like, hey, I used to live in your room. Can I come in? And his eyes were like, and he, I'm like, and he, he had been sleeping. So he like, you yeah. know boxers and he wasn't fully dressed. I'm like, he's like, uh, I 
guess let me get dressed and so i'm like yes please get dressed like i don't want to come in like yeah please get dressed and he shut the door and what do you think you hear right he starts trying to clean his room up because he thinks he's about to get an inspection and i'm like no it's okay like it's okay you don't need to clean your room but i went in there and like I swear I remember that room being bigger. And there used to be two of us in that room that now oh, has wow. one airman. Okay. So I was there and I started chit-chatting, just talking. I said, yeah, yeah, we used to have two beds here. And he's like, you had two of you in this room? Because it wasn't. <laughs> I went back and I'm like, I swear it was bigger, but it wasn't. Um, I said, yeah. I said, plus, there was two on both sides. So we had four girls sharing this oh. one bathroom back then. And, yeah, he was like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? You know, it was mind-boggled. But, you know, those were the days and things were a little yeah. bit different back then. So I, sometimes our airmen, I think don't realize they get a lot of stuff uh, and they have a lot of great things the Air Force is giving you. know, you got your own rooms. Yes. It, as much as you guys don't like the fact or folks don't like the fact, it is kind of nice not to have to cook. Yes. You know, now as a grown adult on my own, I'm like, oh, I gotta go cook again. And like, what am I gonna make? And I think coming in um, after after having to live on my own some was beneficial for me at least. Sure. So I was super squirrely in roundabouts. <laughs> And getting to see how services is able to season some of their food. Awesome. And I got to prepare the vegetables yesterday, so I was on the yeah. grill, grilling up squash and onions and red the, pepper, I think. The defect's <laughs> amazing compared to when I came in. Because when I came in, we had yakisobo every other week. I remember and, those. Yeah. Um, you didn't have choices. Like, there was three meals, and yep. you ate one of the three things on the line. And I don't remember. There may have been a salad bar, but I don't even remember there being salad bars really I remember, I think maybe in tech school, we did like a baked potato bar or something. Yeah. But we just did not have like the variety. Like I walk into these, uh, the food 2.0s that you see, like you have, you know, here, and I'm just like, these choices, like I wish, like we didn't have these choices at all. It was like, here's a three meat, you know, it was like a a chicken, a fish and a beef, you know, and that was it. But, you know, we didn't know better. I I think, you know, the truth that, you know, we just didn't know better. You ate whatever's in front of you. Um, You're already paying for it, so you might as well eat it. Exactly, but the defects now are off the chain. It's so. it's pretty, pretty cool. I'm excited for the Warrior to reopen, hopefully in January, February. It sounds yeah, like I'll push it back a little bit. But. I'll be excited to see it. So I, I was able to eat there on my last visit here. Right. So yeah, so today we went out though to the Sergeant Ross. Yes. Yeah, so we went out to the Sergeant Ross uh, defect and had lunch out there. The tacos were spot on, so they were yummy. Brownie, I'd give it a strong B. We had to up the dessert game there. Well, I'll let them know because I did tell them I'll go back and help prep again sometime. Yeah, it was good. No, it was legit. But uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Food 2.0. Why did you continue to re-enlist? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I missed the second half of the question. I didn't ask it yet. Oh, oh, good. Okay. I thought maybe I just missed something in the conversation. I get very squirrely on these, so I apologize. No worries. Why did I continue? That first enlistment. I just knew. I really, like I told you, day one, it just fit me. I love... um, this is the thing about the Air Force. Like, yes, I was a female in maintenance, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was all sunshine and rainbows. Absolutely, I knew I was a female in a maintenance crew field, but I was able to figure it out. I was able to learn to thrive in that environment. And this was the thing about the Air Force, at least from my perspective. I get everybody's different experiences and stories. If you work hard and you're focused, yeah. you can achieve things. Like, And I think that's why I continued. You know, If you are dedicated, you you can get there. So I think for me, that was what kept me going is that there's room for growth. You know, there's, it, I don't want to say the sky's limitless if you put the work in, but it really is. If you're willing to, to do the work and you're committed, you, you have so many opportunities. 
you know the places like I look back and I and I don't know I, I don't know what my friends from high school are doing anymore because honestly I don't keep up with them anymore sure but I just I look back and I think like all the things I've seen and done and the purpose I've had um, compared to probably what they have done not that I'm belittling what they've done they've had probably had amazing lives but I would just argue that I can't believe that they've got to do some of the stuff I've done or seen some of the things or you know the purpose you get from being in the Air Force it's just it's bigger than us um, and I go back to what we talked about just being I I've learned I'm very service oriented I like serving and I think that's probably part of the reason I love this job I love being part of the Air Force is just the service side of the house I know what I do makes a difference even even if it's a little difference I know every day that I make an impact somehow. And I think sometimes our airmen don't realize it, you know, they feel like, oh, I'm just a cog in a machine. What you're doing, no matter how minute or how maybe insignificant it feels to you, it, it has a purpose. People are gonna remember you, like, how many times you see on these, you know, the Facebook pages, all these items, like, they go back to staff sergeant and they're remembering these people, like, somebody's gonna remember you. And I don't know if you have that in a lot of other realms. If you work at Google or if you work at McDonald's or whatever you do in the civilian realm, I I don't remember anybody I work with from the civilian side of the house. I think a lot of friends that way, but the military, I mean, I remember the young airmen I was stationed with. How come I don't remember the civilian side, but I remember the airman side? I, I just love that aspect of it. I think it's those type of things that kept me serving. Okay. So. Nice. And a retirement's pretty awesome. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Who's gonna, who can retire at the, in the 40s, you know what I mean? It's just nowadays just unheard of, so. Yes. I, I'm not gonna poo-poo that. I'm excited. I can retire in three years. We'll see if I keep going, but yeah. it's nice to know it's that close. It, it's <laughs> it's weird when you hit the point where like you could hit the button and then you're really making those choices, do I continue and those kind of things. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be interesting when I get to that point. I don't know what retirement's going to feel like to me. Are you part of that indefinite enlistment? I, I am. So I, I did get my indefinite enlistment. Interesting, right? We have all these interesting war stories. Um, but right now, I am, uh, I don't say I'm working for her, like it's the only reason, but certain part of me is working for my child's GI Bill. Because I had sure. my daughter late. Okay. Sure. I didn't think I was going to have enough time left on my, not, not enough time enlistment, but I plan to retire to give it to her, but when I made chief, obviously I didn't, I was like, well, if I'm gonna do three years, I sure. four years gets me her education yeah. benefit. So yeah, the Air Force stuck with me for at least another two years, because okay. I, I need that, give that, give my kid my GI benefits. That's so, awesome. Yeah. We just graduated our inaugural Air, Air Power Leadership Academy class. Oh. Uh, it started in, Osan, somewhere in Korea, either mm-hmm. Osan or Kunsan. It's just, it, they call it the anti-PME, street smarts versus yep. book smarts. Oh, we just had our first class here. Sergeant Taishu brought it over mm-hmm. from Ramstein. But uh, one of the things we asked our class to do, it's a bunch mm-hmm. of NCOs, basically staff sergeants, tech sergeants with no line number for master sergeant. It's just mm-hmm. after hours, mm-hmm. almost like a club. And it's a chance for us to just talk about different topics yeah. going on around the Air Force. And one thing that we have them do is they get with a chief around the base yeah. and they interview them to find out their leadership philosophies yeah. and then work on their own. So I was wondering if you had a leadership philosophy. Oh gosh, which I didn't put on here. So no, you're good. And you know, I get. But you know, it's, it's you know, leaders are supposed to have a leadership philosophy. And I think you know, I, I don't, I don't have a beautiful, well edited, a well expressed answer. But I think it's just I, I am definitely a, I'm definitely a servant leader. I have the belief that if I take care of 
airmen and people, they will take care of mission. And I know that's a little a little cheesy. I, I can own that can be a little cheesy. But I, I truly believe I need to give people room to grow and do what they need to do. I just need sure. to give them the tools and give them the support. And then just trust them. Like we struggle with trust. We tell people we want them to go out, but we want them to go out and do things exactly how we would do it. And I don't think we can, I think we need to allow folks to try and test and fail and, and, and be okay that it happens. So I think my leadership philosophy is definitely that certain leaders, like I'm here to support people. Um, and it ties into that, like I keep going back to that service, but that's kind of my thing. So I think my philosophy would be, you know, just being that servant leader, making sure that folks feel supported and safe enough to try and kind of just see where their road takes them and not to path, path that, not to tell them what their path is. Sure. I, I think that's one area that we struggle with the Air Force. We tell people go do ABC, but don't hear, hear all the rules you have to follow to get there. And I have learned, probably because I've had to, where I've been in situations where folks, I just didn't have enough bandwidth to do everything, so I had to trust them. And, and it's been super successful because they've, they've outshined whatever I would have thought of or come up with. And um, so I've learned that I just give people room to, to, I don't want to say to dream and imagine, but to kind of get there on their own is probably my biggest leadership philosophy. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's probably a little weird. Sorry. No, you're great. What are three takeaways you would leave with our listeners? Ooh, three takeaways. I think I should have three really good takeaways. I'm gonna. Can I just give you one? And sure. and I even I'm gonna go backwards with it. I think the the biggest takeaway or thing I could tell folks, really truthfully, like and I said it earlier, but just to kind of go a little further, don't lose yourself in this. Know that you don't have. I don't want to say you don't have to change. Like yes, we all grow, we all develop, but don't lose who you are in your heart. Because there are definitely points in my career where I, I, I feel like I lost my way a little bit because I was trying to fit an image of what I thought everybody else thought I should be. You know, and I, and I know I've alluded to it a few different times, but when I was doing LMS, maybe when I first was started doing the shirt, like I felt like I had to be a certain way or do things a certain, and it really took a little time for me to recognize that, no, like I need to be, look, I need to be true. And, and I think everybody needs to be true to who they are. We don't want everybody to be a certain way, you know? I think now we're much more open to that. Like we talk more about diversity and the benefits. Sure. Of it. And I don't, I'm not talking about diversity in the sense of, you know, gender, race, all those kind of things. I just mean an actual personality diversity. We want, we want the quiet introvert on the team. We want the thinker, but at the same time, we want the, the loud person. Like we need all these different experiences and personality types. They bring diversity to our team. They bring diversity to thought and they make us better. And, you know, we need the, the quirky, odd, squirrely age mechanic running around too. Um, and I think it took time for me to realize that it was okay to just be who I am and to be silly and to be, you know, say the wrong things and, and it's fine. And, and I can get there and I think every person can get there with their personality type. I always caveat, you still have to have growth and development. I've done a lot of growth and development. I know when it's not the right time to say something, you sure. know, I know when it's time to shut up and color and I know when it's, when I need to make sure my uniform is perfectly ironed and, I, you know, I have, you know, I know how to lock it up when I need to. But knowing when it's okay to, to giggle or to, I don't know, you know, put something funny in somebody's office or whatever the thing is. And knowing that it's okay and it's those things connect us all. Sure. I think that's, that would be my one big takeaway to folks is 
to own who you are and figure out how to make who you are work as a leader Air Force. And then lastly, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we wrap this up? Oh, gosh. I know we already did the takeaway. Yeah, no. Um, truthfully, I, I I hope everybody, you know, you, you listen to these podcasts. Now, so here's transparency time, right? I listened to my first podcast a week, like two weeks ago. I had one of a short consulted podcast. So this is not, I'm old school if that makes sense, right? This is not my niche. But, but I hope folks know, like, be open to these new ideas and the things that are changing. Give people the ability to fail and it not be the end of the world. And, and I don't mean, we're not talking about illegal things or there, there are certain things that are just no-goes in the Air Force, right? I'm not talking about those. But I'm talking about the, it's okay to try something and it not work. Sure. And, let the, and, and to let them know it's okay. To go, okay, hey, that didn't work. Let's try again. Like not it be the end all and you're washing their hands of them because they had an idea that didn't go well. To hear each other out, to make sure that we're listening to all the voices in the room because sometimes it's that quietest voice in the room that has the best answer. I, I think that's probably my the biggest kind of end takeaway is just to take care of each other and to respect each other in a way that we're, we're allowing folks to just express who they are. Um, to get their ideas out and not to make them feel bad about it or not to belittle them or kind of go, hey, why not do it that way? Not Why, why not try things? I, I think we still struggle with that. And I think for me, that would be the biggest thing is, you know, giving people that ability to, I don't say dream big on what we can do. So yeah. Kind of go down that road. Excellent. Yeah. Chief, thank you so much for spending a couple well, I spent a lot of your time. Yeah. Like no, I'm long-winded. Like no. this is my shirt to do. We <laughs> chit chat. Like we're we're talkers. So you get a chief and a shirt, you're in trouble. That's what Sergeant Douglas always says whenever we did our shirt yeah. panel for ALA. I had to tell them behind closed doors, you let them talk to you, not you just talk at them. Yeah. They'll steal the show. Yeah, we're talkers. <laughs> I can't even so I apologize. I'm long-winded and uh, I tend to talk a little bit probably more. Yeah, it's good stuff though. I, I love that you guys are taking this that you guys are doing this. It's a great way to kind of get the stories out and to, to share to share different perspectives because I guarantee like you talk about all the other chiefs I guarantee you and I, I know I listened to Chief Guzman's I didn't listen to the other one but I know all of us have different perspectives and no perspective is right sure like we're all it's like a stained glass window you know when you're putting you know we're all different shades and colors and textures but when you put it together man that picture is just amazing you know, we may have some similarities in textures and colors but we're all different yeah I don't know. I feel I just kind of see us all as like a stained glass that just comes together so perfectly. If we could just stop and appreciate all yes. of the different yes. differences that are there, so hopefully we get we keep getting farther with our ability to do so. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. So I appreciate you guys giving me this opportunity. It is weird. Do you know what I mean? Like it's weird because we're. At times, like I'm still a staff sergeant in the H shop in my head. Like I don't, sure. you know, and then you go, you get here and you're like, how in the world did I get here? I don't, I really am still, you know, a staff sergeant turning a wrench and which is the best place to be. So it's interesting that you get to this kind of, you know, these ender later part of your journey and you're like, when did, when did I, I never envisioned myself as the chief. Sure. I never saw myself in this role. And so to be here and then like, People are listening to me. What's going on? You know what I mean? And what I really what I find interesting now, and I think back, and you'll probably have to edit all this later, is I look at our young airmen that are out there that are walking around. And I'm like, 
that's they're gonna be the chief in a few years. You know what I mean? They're yeah. and they don't even know it. They don't understand like these young airmen coming through don't even know the impact they're about to have. Like how awesome is that to just sit there and you just listen to them and it's like you're about to like reach levels you didn't even know you could reach. Where else could you do that but here? So I think it's just it's cool. It's pretty legit cool. Oh, so. that's very true. I have a tech sergeant down the hall for me that I've told her, I think you will be a chief one yeah. day. So I'm just trying to get to master, yeah. but I think you will get farther. Well, you know, I had an interesting, this, yeah, yeah, edit as you will. I had a really interesting conversation where at AFSA, and I was really fortunate to sit on a panel with Chief Campanelli. We were doing the boards for the AFSA. First of all, talk about cool, right? And they're like, who wants to be on the board? I'm like, uh, I'll sign up for whatever, right? Uh, but to be on a board with one of those former chief master of the Air Forces was just once in a lifetime, like really once in a lifetime. And I'm just sitting there like, but I'm sitting in this panel and it's super cool. But I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, how did I get here? You know what I mean? I had kind of one of those moments. And I and I leaned over and I was talking to him. I said, we were, we were in between people. And I'm like, I'm like, Chief, I said, you know, I got to tell you something. And I said, and I know back to my quirking on, right? I don't, and so I always caveat, I know I'm quirking on. I'm like, this is probably going to come out wrong. I said, but thank you for having a weird last name. And he kind of looked at me. I said, because when I was a, a young airman going through basic training, he was the chief master sergeant in the Air Force at the time. And so I said, you know, I remember when you used to have to do that whole list of yep. names, right? Yep. And I said, yours are so easy because it's different. It wasn't like a Smith or John or Bob. True. It was Campanelli. How do you not remember Campanelli, right? Um, and so it was just an easy name for me to remember. And so him and I were, we were talking. I said, I, I, leaned up and I said, I think I just called you old and I really didn't mean to, right? <laughs> because I'm sitting there as a chief and I tell him like, well, hey, when I was in basic training. Um, and he made a comment, he goes, you know, back then, folks wanted what the Air Force was going to be like. Folks were concerned, right? Because the new generation sure. coming in. And he's like, and here I sit next to you, and I know that it was all okay. He goes, I've got great chiefs sitting next to me. And it hit home because it made, and that's what made me really start to kind of go, these airmen that are coming in that we're all so concerned about, we're all so worried about, oh, the future of the Air Force, like, and I think we all know we go through this cycle. But it's just fine. They're going to be great. In, in 20 years, they're going to be sitting right here doing whatever the next iteration of a podcast <laughs> is. I don't know what it's going to be, a virtual reality, something or other, where, you know, they just, you hit a button and they pop up in front of you and talk, I guess. But they're going to be doing this, and the Air Force is going to be just fine and be doing well. And to So it, it was a weird moment to just sit there and go, to have that kind of stop. And we both had that realization that, like, I was the airman, and he yeah. was my chief master in the Air Force. And it turned out just fine. And the next generation is going to turn out just fine. And the Air Force will keep progressing and moving forward and doing great things. So, But I love looking at our airmen. And when I look at our young airmen nowadays, I think about that, that these guys are going to be the next chiefs and the next. So we need to pour into them and let them, you know, grow. Awesome. All right. I went really long and winded on you. Paul, no, that's sharing great. Stories. No, that was great. Um, but, yeah, I know you do need to get back down to the symposium yes, and yeah. hang out with the rest of the shirts. But again, thank you so much for spending some time with us thank today. You. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your time at Fair I Trail. will. Thank you. It's been fun. Awesome. That wraps up another episode. If you guys want to be on the podcast or know someone who might want to, or possibly have an idea for a podcast, please have them reach out. They can hit me up at 92foxtrotsierrasierra.foxtrotsierradeltapapa.fairchildcharliealphaalpha.us.af.mil. And until next time, you guys have a spectacular day.